Kia ora. I'm Damien Venuto. It's July 4th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Justice Minister Keely Allen is the latest government minister to have reportedly had significant issues with a member of their staff. The reports of the strained working relationship between Allen and a Department of Conservation employee emerged last week and have added further woes to Chris Hipkins' tenure as Prime Minister. But Allen is not the first MP in recent years to have reportedly clashed with one of their staffers. So why does this tension seem to be such a common occurrence? And is anything being done to change it? News Talk ZB political correspondent Barry Soper joins us today on the front page to share his insights into Parliament's culture from his many years in the press gallery. Barry, can you explain the latest on the Kiri Allen drama at the time of recording? How did this complaint emerge and how is it being handled? Well, it emerged sort of out of the blue, if you like, that the media got a hold of the fact that the head of the Department of Conservation had complained to Ministerial Services, which is the organisation that employs staff that work in the Beehive. They laid this complaint. It wasn't a formal complaint, but it was basically saying that Kiri Allen, the way she treats staff, is not good. And um, Kiri Allen, for her part, said, don't know, nothing to see here, which is extraordinary. And I thought that her denial is going to lead to many more coming out of the woodwork. And that's exactly what's happened. Now we've got four senior officials from various government departments saying, indeed, it's not a happy environment in her office. And you've got poor old Chris Hipkins stuck over in China, having to again defend one of his ministers for being out of kilter with what is expected of cabinet ministers. How seriously should this matter be taken? I mean, is this just another massive distraction that Chris Hipkins does not need right now? Oh, Chris Hipkins certainly doesn't need it right now. There's no doubt about that. But he said, simply because there's no formal complaint that's been lodged, then there's very little that he can do about it. He's spoken, not to Curry Allen, interestingly, but he's spoken to, he said, just before leaving China, that uh, he spoke to senior public servants, presumably those departments that were involved in this, and he said that the matter's been handled. One of them, of course, dates back a year when Jacinda Ardern was the Prime Minister. What do you make of the fact that there aren't any formal complaints and no formal investigations into this? Does that point to a fear among staff to maybe take these things further? Well, that is the problem, that the reason these public servants, they're anonymous, the reason they wanted anonymity was essentially because um, they felt there'd be retribution if their name was published. So they did it, they said, because they feel that other public servants shouldn't have to put up with what they've had to put up with. I love this job and I love the people that work with me and I think that we work pretty hard to get a pretty good culture. Where it's not on, we work pretty hard to fix it. I don't think so. No, I think I'm, uh, I can be a fair bit of fun. I can be um, pretty passionate. I'm definitely not a Wellington politician. That's something I'm not. I'm from the regions. We do things a little bit differently, but I think I'm fair. I think I have clear expectations, and when those aren't met, I'm clear about those as well. This isn't the first time that complaints have emerged of this nature when it comes to tensions between MPs and their staff. Mecca Faitiri 
Anna Locke, Godof Shermer have all faced complaints since Labour took office. You add to that list National MP Todd Barkley, who famously had resigned back in 2017 after revelations he recorded a staff member in his electorate office. Then you also have Nick Smith, who departed under a cloud of controversy himself. So why does this tension exist? And why do you think it isn't confined to a few one-off cases? Uh, one you've forgotten about there, and he's a very senior cabinet minister, has picked up a lot of responsibility lately is Kieran McAnulty. You remember uh, Gareth Shermer mm-hmm. uh, when he he would made some explosive comments about the way he was treated. The problem, I think, in Parliament is that these people they come into the place from all over the country. Few of them have managerial experience. They do go through an induction course. They are told how to treat staff, but many of them don't treat staff very well at all. And you remember. Trevor Mallard, who was seen as one of the biggest bullies around Parliament, called in a woman called Debbie Francis to write a review and look at Parliament to see how staff were being treated because there had been many complaints. Debbie Francis' report, which I read, was nothing more than clickbait and it really it hasn't led to any significant change, even though the politicians would have you believe that processes are now in place. I think it's exactly the same as it's always been in that place. So it's been two years since that Francis report was released and you're saying that nothing's really changed? Well, in my view, I mean, I've been around Parliament for a very long time and the behaviour today is probably the way the behaviour has always been in the place. You've got a power imbalance immediately. I think a lot of people don't realise that the staff that are appointed to ministers' offices come from the government departments that they're in charge of. So generally the minister doesn't necessarily get a say over who's appointed. It's the chief executive in the public service that will say, I think you should go and work in the minister's office. Conflict, I think you will see from time to time, it's unavoidable. The two questions that really emerge here is how much vetting goes into deciding who becomes an MP and how much care is taken by the major political parties to ensure that these people are appropriate for these roles, that they are going to treat people well. And then secondly, how much consideration is taken for the personality differences that might come in from the staff side of things so that these people will actually get along once they work together? Well, you know, the vetting process, as we've seen over the years, for people that do stand for parliament and become politicians, sometimes is woeful that you've seen people come in and last a very short time in the place because it's a very foreign environment to uh, many people. So I think the parties now are very careful about who they name as a candidate to stand at an election, or one would hope they are, because uh, we have seen dreadful situations in the past. I think, though, in terms of managerial experience, a lot of them that have come into that place have had none at all. They do, like I said, an induction course, and that's meant to put them in a position that they know how to deal with staffing issues, but some just never really pick it up. If you're finding this episode of The Front Page interesting and informative, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio or whichever podcast app you're using right now. Every listen helps us keep you up to date with the stories that matter. Barry, in your time reporting it from the press gallery, you would have heard a few whispers and stories. What are some of the worst stories of staff treatment that you have heard? Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) 
the most amusing one that I can tell you was when old Rob Muldoon was the Prime Minister and uh, not uncommonly he'd had too much to drink one night and one of his staff went down, he used to drive a blue Triumph 2000 and they went down and let his tyres down. Now I don't know whether he ever discovered who that was, I know who it was. There's stories like that but they're few and far between. You know it's difficult to say the worst. The Kieran McAnulty stuff that was complained of by Gareth Schirmer, that was pretty trenchant criticism of a minister keeping him uh, waiting in the office, I think it was for a few hours, while uh, he was sort of partying in an adjoining office. That's simply not good enough. I do have to ask you, Minister, Gaurav Sharma says that you yelled at him. Sometimes he was in your office for hours and you would yell and you would shout. Is he lying? I'm not one for raising my voice. If anything, if I get wound up, I go quieter. And so, no, I do not agree with that assessment at all. I do not agree with any of the allegations that have been made. So I'm quite happy to stand on my record. MPs generally are put on something of a pedestal and the staff that go and work there, they're not treated in some times, in some ways, uh, the way they should be treated. And that's simply the powerful over the powerless. In the broader workforce, we have seen the shift at the moment where younger staff aren't as accepting of behaviour that might have been acceptable a few decades ago. Do you think that the same thing is now happening in Parliament too? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, we live in a very woke world these days and, you know, to yell at somebody, I mean, I've been in this business many years and if I had to resign or complain about every time I'd been yelled at by a fellow colleague, I would have left the job many years ago. There is tension in Parliament, there's no doubt about that, and I guess if a minister like Kiri Allen, she doesn't like something that the public service is doing, she should let them know. But these days, you've got to be very careful about how you let them know, because if you don't, you get exactly what we're talking about now, public servants complaining about their treatment. This problem isn't unique to New Zealand. Earlier this year, Dominic Raab resigned as the UK's Deputy Prime Minister over bullying complaints is not the responsibility of the Secretary of State or of any other minister to belittle and to bully and intimidate members of staff of the paid civil service because they think that they have their own political You must have seen behaviour like that before in Westminster. Doesn't make it acceptable. In your experience, do politicians in general need more training when it comes to staff management? I think it's just common sense, I mean, how you treat people. The more these stories come to the surface, the more politicians will probably think about how they do treat staff. But it doesn't seem to fix it. It's a brutal atmosphere in Parliament. I remember the late Jim Anderson used to call it a brutalising arena. And it is a place where people have hold very different ideological views. So as a result, of course, you're going to get frictions and differences and arguments. And that's why it's called a debating chamber. And by their nature, politicians are quite combative. Oh, absolutely. That's the business, isn't it? You just have to watch Parliament every day to see how they go at each other's throats. But that's acceptable. Do you think there's also an element of megalomania at play here? To be a politician, you have to be willing to put your head out there. You have to be willing to put yourself in front of everyone else. You have to be willing to lead. All of those factors seem to push toward the idea of megalomania to some degree. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, an element of that. I mean, there'll be few people that come into Parliament that believe they couldn't become Prime Minister if they had their way. But the only one that got a great surprise on that front was Jacinda Ardern. I mean, she never ever thought she'd be Prime Minister. Winston Peters thought otherwise. Barry, where do you stand on MPs being punished for these staffing tensions? On the scale of having strong words to recording staff members to outright bullying, what should be considered a sackable offence? Oh, there should be respect, and particularly in ministerial offices. I mean, they hold a pretty high-powered job and a very public job. And if they don't know how to treat their staff, then the Prime Minister at least has got to... um, Make them pay a penalty in some way, whether that's demotion, whether it's stripping them of their cabinet position. It depends on how serious it is. But you can't have, really, politicians going around yelling at staff. You can have them yelling at each other because it's the nature of the business. But uh, when it comes to bad treatment of staff, I think they should think about it and desist from doing it. Now we also have allegations that a senior public servant with, quote, from this staff story, decades of experience, says Kitty Allen yelled and screamed so loudly that staff in the office heard the telephone call. But I would say that it's all come at the same time where Kitty Allen took some time off work for mental health reasons. She needed some time off. We also learned that she'd been going through a breakup. Those puzzle pieces just start to really blur the picture as to whether or not this is opposition or indeed some other nefarious situation where someone is trying to weaponize her time off for political gain it's all very blurry how do you think this is going to play out for kelly allen do you think that she's going to hold on to her job or do you think that chris hipkins is going to take some serious action given that we have seen a number of complaints come through now well kerry allen was a bit like sergeant schultz out of hogan's heroes I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning. She saw nothing. And she said, I don't know what they're on about. I don't know. And the moment she said that, I said, I'll tell you what's going to happen now. You're going to get more people coming out of the woodwork. So I think she needs to take a lesson in public relations to understand that if you do deny anything happened, then those that it happened to will come out and they'll say what happened to them. And they're perfectly within their rights to do that. Historically, we have seen the National Party afflicted with this perception of being a party with a bullying culture. But now Labour's recent experience seems to suggest that it goes far beyond a certain political party. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, when you look at Labour, that its mantra was kindness and well-being. I've never seen the frequency of complaints that I've seen about this party and about this government. You know, I'm sure that Jacinda Ardern will be pleased that she's off writing a book somewhere. Poor old Chippy is left to clean up the mess. Do you agree with the perception that his ministers are making his job far harder than what it needs to be right now? Well, just look at what's happened since he took over. I mean, you've had Stuart Nash resign. You've got Michael Wood sacked. You've got Mika Fiteri defecting, becoming an independent, really wanting to belong to the Māori Party. You know, he's had his fair share, but he's got to take some responsibility for that because uh, he was a very senior minister in the Ardern regime, the sous chef, in uh, the kitchen cabinet when uh, she was the prime minister. So on his head be it as well. If you look at Stuart Nash, Mika Faitili, Kiri Allen now, 
Do you think that these issues that point to instability within the Labour Party could hurt them come the election? Oh, absolutely, it'll hurt them come the election. It reminds me of the last two-term government that we had, and that was the government of uh, David Longy. And of course, in the last three years of that, I remember it well, you know, the fallout was significant. I mean, you had Richard Preble questioning David Longy's sanity publicly. So Labour tends, when it starts falling apart, it really is going for the jugular. And that's what's happening now. And, and of course, if you see a disunified party going into an election as the voter, you're going to say, well, how can they govern if they're fighting amongst themselves all the time? Thanks for joining us, Barry. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.